New Vision is a church that places high value on Scripture. The Bible is made up of 66 books, and in this next portion, we're going to be going through a few of those books as a church family. We hope this tool encourages you and equips you to lead your life well. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, church family, this is Brad White, men's pastor, excited to be with you today as we dive into Proverbs chapter 7. I'm going to be reading from the NIV. My son, keep my word and store up my commands with you. Keep my commands and you will live. Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and to insight, you are my relative. They will keep you from the adulterous woman, from the wayward woman with her seductive words. At the window of my house, I looked down through the lattice, and I saw among the simple, I noticed a young man, a youth who had no sense. He was going down the street near her corner, walking in her direction towards her house at twilight, as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in. Then out came the woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. She is unruly and defiant. Her feet never stay at home. Now in the streets, now in the squares, at every corner she lurks. She took hold of him and she kissed him and with a bronzen face said, Today I will fulfill my vows and I have food from my fellowship offering at home. So I came out to meet you. I looked for you and I have found you. I have covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let's drink deeply of love until the morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. My husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took his purse filled with money, and he will not be home until the full moon. With persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. All at once, he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierced his liver, like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it would cost his life. Now then, my son, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. Many are the victims that she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave, leading down to the chamber of death. One of my favorite movies is an older movie called Catch Me If You Can, where Leonardo DiCaprio plays the real-life character of Frank Abagnale Jr. Frank Abagnale Jr. was able to mastermind one of the greatest con artist schemes that has ever occurred. Starting in 1963, Frank was 15 years old, and he was able to con his way onto planes all around the world, and he was able to pass fraudulent checks totaling somewhere in the realm of $2.5 million. He was even able to pretend that he was a doctor and was hired to oversee an ER. It was just crazy the things that this guy was able to do. So those of you that haven't seen the movie, here's how Frank was able to make all this happen. So as a 15-year-old, he went in to Pan American Airlines and pretended that he was a high school journalist who was writing a story about the airlines. 
And through this fictitious story that he was writing, he was able to gain access to one of the higher-ups at Pan Am and really find out everything that he needed to know about being an airline pilot, what types of identifications that they needed to carry, how they needed to wear their uniforms, where they would get their uniforms altered. And because of his proximity to this man who was the head of Pan Americans, he was able to live out this false identity. Well, here's what I think is that what we keep our proximity to ultimately influences our own identity. What we just read in Proverbs makes me think of Genesis chapter 3, and it says this in, in Genesis 3, Now the serpent was craftier than any of the other beasts of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say to you not to eat the tree from the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We can eat from the fruit of the trees in the gardens, but God said, You shall not eat the fruit from the tree in the midst of the garden, nor should you touch it, or you will die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that if you eat this fruit, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was there, and he also ate. So if we look at this story, we've all heard it tons and tons of times. Here's something that's really obvious, but I just want to point it out to you. The tree did not chase Eve down. Satan didn't bring Eve the fruit. What happened was her proximity to the tree permitted her access to take and eat. Just like the young man in this passage in Proverbs that we just read, his proximity to the woman opened up the door for his flesh to take over. Where we find our physical proximity is often a reflection of our hearts. In James chapter 1, verses 13 through 14, it says this, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted by their own evil desires and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. So what does God desire? We know that God desires that we would be in close proximity to him. Each one of us has our own proverbial tree of knowledge of good and evil. But what I mean by that is we all have that thing that draws our flesh. For some of us, it is lust. For others, maybe pride or anger or maybe even substance abuse. So the question that we need to navigate is who or what is our identity in? Since Jesus died for our sins, sin has no power over us. Sin hurts the heart of God, it hurts us, and it hurts those around us. And what we need to realize is that spiritual maturity isn't how much we know, it's more about how much we obey. It's not about knowledge, it's about the fruit. If you love Jesus, then you will obey Jesus. Here's a hard truth. I think that most Christians are educated well beyond their level of obedience. I'm not talking about you. 
most Christians are educated well beyond their level of obedience. So they know more than they act out and live out. I don't think we need to know more. I think we need to start applying what we know. Sin is progressive. It it grows. Pornography use grows. Stealing grows. Lying grows. Sin hurts the heart of God. It hurts people. And it ultimately hurts us. It kills intimacy, it dulls God's voice, and it really hardens our heart. Sin will always take you further than you want to go, and it will always cost you more than you want to pay. I believe with all of my heart that no one wakes up and says, you know what, I I want to be an alcoholic. You know what, I want to be a sex addict. You know what, I want to ruin my marriage. No, I think what happens is it starts one step the wrong direction that leads to another step, and then eventually we look back and say, how in the world did I get here? So the closer our proximity is to Christ, the more our identity will be shaped in him. So what would it look like for us if we made plans to set ourselves out of the proximity of our proverbial tree? What if we put our focus on our proximity and made sure that our proximity was in line with where Christ was? My challenge for you is to know your proximity and to strive to keep it near Christ. Where we find our physical proximity is often a reflection of our hearts. Let me conclude with this. In Mark chapter 2, there's this incredible story. It says this in Mark chapter 2, verse 1. After some days, Jesus went back to the city of Capernaum. Then news got around that he was in a home Soon, so many people gathered there that there was no more room, not even enough at the door. He spoke the word of God to them. Then four men came to Jesus, carrying a man on a mat who could not move his body. These men could not get near the door of Jesus because there were so many people. They made a hole in the roof of the house where Jesus stood. Then they let the man down on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the sick man, son, your sins are forgiven. Then verse 11 says this, I say to you, get up, take your bed and go home. At once the sick man got up, took his bed, went away and everyone saw him. This is a story that many of us have heard and and know, but I was reading it not too long ago and this thought hit me, why in the world would Jesus tell this man to take his mat? See, this man was sick, he was paralyzed, he couldn't move, and so the mat was something that he laid on. But what I came to realize through the Holy Spirit is that his mat was really his identity. When people saw him, they recognized his mat and they knew him as the man who laid on the mat. And so when they saw him carrying this mat, they would say, man, I I know you, I recognize you. You're the guy who used to lay on the mat and he could point back to the mat and say, let me tell you what happened. I had an interaction with Christ and yes, this mat used to be the thing that defines me, but now I'm defined by Christ. Christ took this thing that was my identity and now my identity is in Christ and I carry this mat proudly to tell you about the work of Christ in my life. This was my story, and this is many of your stories, that God came in and he reshaped our identity and he's told us to carry that thing that was our identity and to point back to it and to tell people about the completed work of Christ in our life and how God took that false identity and he changed it and put our identity in him. Today is a chance, friend, for you to take your mat, that false identity, 
and to allow God to redeem it in your story and to align your physical proximity with the things of God, that we would not allow our physical proximity to be aligned to the things that draw our flesh, but we would choose to get into proximity and to keep into step with Christ. Let me pray for us. God, we pray today that we would align ourselves with you, that our proximity to you would shape our heart, would shape our minds, would shape our language, would shape the movement of our feet. God, thank you for an opportunity to interact with your word. I pray that we would be changed because of it. In your name we pray, amen. Again, thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you Monday.